Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership Through Crisis series, where we will connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important questions to help us navigate through rough waters. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Liz Kislik loved school from her first day of kindergarten through college. During her senior year, though, she realized that she didn't want to go to grad school like most of her friends. She wanted to make things happen. So she went off to start her work education at what her grandfather called the School of Hard Knocks. There were so many things to learn that she got a promotion every six months just by watching what could be improved and then working to improve it. Liz got her MBA part-time on the six-year plan while working full-time during the day. Shortly after, she went out on her own and has had her management consulting practice for more than 30 years. As a consultant and executive coach, she develops high-performing leaders and workforces and helps family-run businesses, national nonprofits, and Fortune 500 companies like American Express, Girl Scouts, Staples, Janssen Pharmaceuticals, and Highlights for Children solve their thorniest problems. She also writes frequently for Harvard Business Review and Forbes, and her work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal's Morning Download, the Washington Post Work Advice Column, and Business Insider. Liz has taught in the continuing ed programs at Hofstra University and New York University, and her TED Talk, Why There's So Much Conflict at Work and What You Can Do to Fix It?, has been viewed more than 180,000 times. Liz's overarching goal is to help people do better and feel better at work. Liz Kislik's interview will begin after a brief message from our sponsor. Discover the anti-budgeting CPA's surprising financial freedom formula for small business owners. As fast as money comes in, it goes right back out. Make solid money decisions and create a positive cash flow. Start with these 25 tips to making and keeping more money available from Maddie Brown, CPA at SmashingNumbers.com. Welcome, Liz Kinslick. How are you? Good. We're so happy to have you on our podcast. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? I'm ready. Well, you have your mic. You're all set up. I love it. You just came on quickly. We had no, well, let me not jinx it, right? (laughs) (laughs) What am I saying? All right, so let's roll. Tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now, Liz. You know, my family might tell you that I was one of those bossy little girls. I'm an eldest. Mm -hmm. I always had opinions. And I wanted to be like my mother and be in charge. So 
all through school, I was very active in a variety of organizations and often in a leadership role. And when I went out into the world and started working, I was both very lucky and very hardworking and basically got a promotion every six months for the first few years because anywhere there are things that need to be done that nobody is doing. And so I would take care of things. And so you were the one who was able to see the cracks in the wall. Yeah. And not just complain about them. And that's the thing that is interesting. It's to see and figure out that there's something you can actually do. And to have people that honor that too. Yes. That's important. Well, you can't do it by yourself. You can't muscle people aside to get to the crack in the wall and you can't throw yourself against it. You have to get everybody mostly on the same page because you have to get other people to see the crack also Mm -hmm. and to recognize it the way you would recognize it and to see that there is something that can be done. And in most cases, and this is part of why I say I was lucky, because most of the time I was able to either bring people around to my point of view or they had lived with problems for so long that they were grateful that somebody wanted to try to do something about it. And so at least were willing to let me try because what was the worst thing? I would fall on my face and it would still be the same old problem it had been. Yeah, some of it was diligence, but some of it was definitely luck. And I was at that company for about eight years. And then the owner died. There wasn't a real succession plan. It was time to do something else. And again, I was very lucky. I had been active in the industry. This was in telemarketing years ago when telemarketing was really a lovely thing. (laughs) And people were subcontracting consulting work to me within a week after I left. And I never stopped. I mean, I changed the content of the work I was doing through the years, pivoted several times. But I've had my own practice now for more than 30 years. Wow. So I wrote down three words. You said lucky a lot. However, a big part of this is your ability to be influential and be expressive in such a way that you do have an impact on people and you're very observant. And so those are things that come up for me, aside from the fact that you're really lucky. I want to honor that because those are really strong leadership skills. Yeah. So what is it that you're doing right now? So I work with all kinds of organizations really on the kinds of problems that they have been burdened with for a long time and haven't been able to figure out or are finally just so frustrated with that they think, okay, maybe it's time to get some help. I'll give you a funny example. One of my clients, we served on a board together and we would go for coffee after board meetings. And I would give him advice, you know, this went on for at least four years. And finally, I said to him, you know, why haven't you hired me yet? (laughs) So we talked about it in a slightly different context. And then he did, because in the same way, as you say, I'm observant, and I talked about the cracks in the wall, I can 
see why things aren't working or what could be done. And then the question is to rally people around both the idea that there's a need and the sense of possibility and the things we could try. That's a thread that ran through your whole life. And you're using that superpower that you have, which is great. So tell me about your organization and where we can reach you because there are people who need your kind of help. My organization is Liz Kislick Associates, and you can find me at LizKislick.com. It's L-I-Z-K-I-S, as in Sam, L-I-K.com. And if you go there, there is so much material there. I've been writing for many years, and that's both my blog, and I write for Harvard Business Review, and I write for Forbes, and there are loads of podcast interviews. There's a lot of material about how to navigate through any kind of organizational life. So there's communication stuff, there's material about conflict, there's all kinds of stuff about leadership. There's actually a free ebook about dealing with the interpersonal aspects of conflict, if people could use it. Fantastic. Our listeners would love that, I'm sure. Thank you so much. Now, at the time of this interview, we're at the tail end of the COVID-19 pandemic, and we're facing a different kind of crisis now. How has this affected your organization, your family, yourself? I'm going to start with myself because I think my feelings color everything I say Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. I tend more to sadness than anger. That is true through my whole life, Mm -hmm. not just about this, but I'm gravely distressed that we've had such a major loss of life in this country because of COVID-19. And I don't know if we're at the tail end, Lily. Right. This may go for a long time. My hope would be that if it does, it will be diminishing always, but I think it's been very serious. So we've got that. And now we are really faced with such clear and obvious evidence of structural racism Mm -hmm. that I find it impossible to look away. And I think we all have to figure out what to do to make the world better for everybody. I am lucky. Mm -hmm. I was born to white people. As immigrants, they might not always have been thought of as white, you know, in this country. Early on, there were parts of Europe, for example, where Europeans were considered black. I was born to people who were considered white. They happened to be educated. That meant that was my path. So I was really lucky. I started out ahead. That's privilege. Yeah. And not that it's a bad thing. It's just what is. It's what it is today, Mm -hmm. but I think the recognition of suffering, whether it is from a physical illness or from what is a kind of social illness, we have to do something about it. Right. Hey, leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. Do you get headaches or don't feel quite right after a glass or two of wine? Well, you're not alone. I recently discovered organic, clean-crafted wines that are a game-changer for me. Scout & Cellar has a clean-crafted commitment to ensure that they produce wines without synthetic chemicals as they take care of the earth in the process. I can now enjoy wine without any adverse effects. 
visit scoutandseller.com forward slash Lily. That's S-C-O-U-T-A-N-D-C-E-L-L-A-R dot com forward slash L-I-L-Y and learn more about these delicious wines. You'll be glad you did. Great leaders deserve great wines. I do want to share something that really landed for me in a book that I'm reading. And I want to share it because it speaks to what you're speaking about now. I'm reading this book called I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. And it's written by Austin Channing. And she talks about an experience where she's a student in a school and they're going on a field trip. And they go to visit a historical place and it's a slave plantation, it has slave quarters and all that. Mm -hmm. But the lens in which they take them on this trip is this is part of history, this is what happened. But then they have pictures of lynchings and they have one picture that she talks about how there was one person that was burnt and lynched and underneath says, oh, you missed the barbecue. It was intense. And then part of the field trip was to go out and pick cotton. Um, so it was a trip to open people's eyes, but it's also very, very insensitive. And when the students got back to the bus, you know, there were white students, there were black students, but they were very emotional. And the black students were very angry. The white students didn't know how to respond. And there was this conflict rising, right? And it reminds me of today. This is contemporary, right? So, and then she wrote this and it's really hit home where a white student stood up and this is what she said. I don't know what to do with what I've learned. She said, I can't fix your pain and I can't take it away, but I can see it. And I can work for the rest of my life to make sure your children don't have to experience the pain of racism. And then she said nine words that I've never forgotten. Doing nothing is no longer an option for me. That landed. And I wanted to share it with you because it's part of what you're talking about. You have this unrest, like doing nothing is no longer an option. Okay. Unrest is a good word. It feels like unrest, the way the Buddhists talk about dis-ease. That's right. So thank you for telling us about what's going on with you during this time. So which quotes or advice have helped you most during crisis? There's one from Maya Angelou that has been so valuable to me. Yes, in crisis, but also not in crisis. Mm -hmm. And it comes from a much longer quote that I don't remember, but the part that sticks with me is, when you know better, do better. Mm. I find it to be so helpful because the focus is on do better, do the right thing. But there is a kind of forgiveness in there that if you did not know it before, well, mm -hmm. just get up today. Now you can move forward. Right. You know, sometimes when things are terrible, you can feel incapacitated by sorrow or grief or anger or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I find this helpful in start now. An awareness. Yes. Whatever start it is, we can start now. Beautiful. Now, Liz, many use the term lifelong learner. What does that mean to you? And what are you learning right now? To me, a lifelong learner starts with being curious. Because I don't care if you're learning because you are observant and paying attention and you see life in front of you and you learn from the example it gives you, or if you are actively 
researching and reading and seeking out knowledge that way. But it's not getting stuck and rigid in just the things you know. Yes. And given the current events, I have been reading a bunch of material about race and racial injustice. And I have to say, I've put so many books on my Kindle, I don't know how I'm going to get through them. But I've been reading a lot about the history of race in the U.S. I started out reading one of Robin D'Angelo's books, and she is a really good explainer. And from her, I think I got a much better understanding of why, as a white person, I and other white people might be resistant to hearing the truth. And that's important because then you can go forward from there. And I'm always trying to read about leadership and a variety of other things. But right now, I'm really focused on trying to be as anti-racist as possible. Perfect. Thank you so much. Now, when you think of leadership today, Mm. what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? What concerns me is when we talk about leadership, I think sometimes in a weird way, we leave out the connection between leadership and actual power. And do you have leadership because you hold power? Or are you a leader and can you act as a leader because you have learned how to influence? And in many ways, they are different things. Mm -hmm. And you see different kinds of goodness in each. And there are different kinds of downsides in each. And now is a time where I think it would be helpful to be a little more clinical about those things and not lump them together. Sometimes we lump them together. What I am hopeful about is young people who are showing up, who are willing to work very hard. I'm not one of the people who said, oh, millennials, and now we're beyond that. But they learn they figure things out, they are willing to experiment. They just need to be approached with a reasonable amount of respect for their humanity and the fact that they wanna make choices about what happens to them. But I'm extremely hopeful, not that we should burden them with all our bad history and just dump it on them. We have to be there to help and to carry some of the weight. Mm -hmm. But I am very hopeful about young people. And I feel the same. So thank you for sharing that. Now, Kimberly Faith wants to know, how much time do you spend on creating a vision of something that doesn't yet exist? I have an actual concrete example. I'm working on a book proposal. The book does not yet exist. Perfect. The proposal only partially exists. And I actually spend a lot more time sort of worrying about it than working on it. It's a real challenge to do. I spend probably some, you know, shower time, driving time, those kinds of loose thinking time about it most days. It's something I would like to do, and I haven't figured it out yet. And so her framework is about daring to dream, which is what you're doing with your book. You have a vision of what it is and what it could be. So it's being created twice, once in your head and actuality when it happens. So thank you so much for answering that. Now, as a listener of this podcast, what is a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? 
I'm going to go back to the thing I said before about power. How should power be used? And in particular, how should it be used when the choices aren't great? When it's clear that even what would be a good use of power could cause harm to others. Good for some, harm to others. How do you deal with that? Great question, Liz. Thank you. Liz, you've done a TEDx talk, and the title is Why There's So Much Conflict at Work and What You Can Do to Fix It. That's a heavy topic. Can you summarize that real quick? How can we fix the stress at work or the conflict at work? The conflict at work is not just the argument between two people. That argument comes in the moment. You have to go and identify the reason that that argument came to be. What are the things under the surface? So ask why? It's asking why, but you have to look for the things that are based in people, because every once in a while, there's somebody who's really messing something up, either because they have very bad behavior or because they didn't learn what they needed to, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, there are cultural norms, there are business process rules, there are all kinds of history and other kinds of things that you may not even know about. They could be before you ever got to that workplace. But they're there holding things together in a kind of stasis mm -hmm. so that you can't proceed the way you want. And then you end up having an argument with somebody. You've got to go look at the deeper whys. Why does the situation exist? And then you have to gain a kind of agreement with other people about what it is we're going to work on and how we're going to work on it. And that involves improved communication techniques on top of the curiosity and observation and willingness to experiment. And you must have other people, find other people who are willing to work with you on the conflict. If you're only working by yourself, you may be doing something that's better, but the conflict probably still exists for the other people. That's the work that you do. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, Liz, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Whatever is going on, and as bad as things may seem, there is always something we can do, even if it is to take care of ourselves in the moment and strengthen ourselves to then go do whatever it is our place to do in the world. As long as we have breath, there is something that we can make a choice about to move ourselves forward. Beautifully said. Thank you, Liz, for adding value to me and to our listeners. So happy to be with you, Lily. Have a great day. You too. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.